A quick listener warning. This episode contains subject matter dealing with suicide. If you or anyone you know is in need of help, please visit the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for help. Whatever you're going through, you're not alone. Thank you, and enjoy the story. It's another day in your life. I know this because I'm with you for every detailed nuance you choose to acknowledge or ignore. I'm not really anyone that's special or important. I'm a bit boring myself, and that being said, we'll focus on you for the duration of this podcast. If you ever wondered what happens after you die, why you can't let go of your first love, why you're always choosing people who hurt you or maybe fearful you'll miss the best part of your life among the details of routine, well, that's where I come in. See, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life because you're already living it. I'm here to narrate the details of what you're doing so when you wake up or when you fall asleep, you'll know the day you lived, well, it matters. Welcome to Narratives. The water feels cooler than you remember as it splashes across your face. The red tone colors that are the inside of your eyelids shift to a brilliant burst of deep blues and white, then green as you rub your eyes with your balled up fists. You take a breath snorting water by accident, then spit out the residual traces into the sink. That dull light green avocado color that invaded the 70s decor of low-income housing decades ago comes into focus as you open your eyes. You look into the fragmented mirror. The hardware that holds the uneven surface in place is rusted over. Large chunks of green formica sink are gone, claimed by some unknown violence before you were born. The way the gun looks, sitting on top of the toilet's water reservoir, gleaming in the light of the single exposed bulb above you, seems to have taken on a life of its own. You're not afraid of guns. The one placed precariously on the back of the toilet has kept you company over the last two years. David left it as a parting gift when he moved out after the breakup. The relationship ended without a dramatic climax or screaming fight. He merely said he was tired of living the way the two of you had been for the last five years, and like everything else in your life, left you alone. The last expression on his face comes to mind as you remember how he gave you a simple shrug outside of the apartment door before he left. Black garbage bag full of clothes and hen. You wish you could say the last five years were a waste of your life with him, but in reality that wasn't true. He had been there for you when your father died. And rather than argue about the bed, fixtures, books, and television, only took his clothes and left everything else. You'd go shooting with him on the weekends when you could afford to go to the range together. A series of memories begin to rush into your mind when you shake your head and dislodge them before they can manifest entirely. 
You grip the gun with your right hand and place the barrel against your temple. The steel digs into your scalp, past the artificial lilac aroma of your shampoo, and the end of the barrel feels hauntingly familiar. Your heart rate doesn't increase. There is no throbbing pulse in your ears, no sweat on your palms. Those days are over. However, tonight feels differently. Instead, you're calm, and you breathe easy, and stare into the mirror, seeing the common sight on a random Tuesday evening. You didn't bother with a note or saying goodbye to any of your friends. No loving returns to the last place you wanted to visit before you died. No heartfelt romantic tragedy bullshit for you. No. This isn't about attention, because no one knows you've been musing on killing yourself for the last five years. Everyone at the CTA administration hub believes you're stable, happy even. You spend the day behind the counter, taking payments and filing claims. You take your break, you clean, and you go home. And then you stay up and practice blowing your brains out with your ex-boyfriend's gun. You wince at how pathetic that sounds. Your life. You take the gun off safety. The first time you've ever done that in this bizarre routine. The click is like an old friend's greeting in the tiny confines of your East Rogers Park apartment. You hold the gun up to your head and listen to Howard blasting his music upstairs again. The bass is relentless. The bathroom light flickers in time with the kick of the song and oddly enough, you realize you'll miss that part of life. Music. That cold, hollow ache rattles your heart again, and to your surprise, you see a tear trace down your cheek. No hesitations. You remember making the promise to yourself, and as you break it, an unexpected image flashes in your mind. The man you recall from earlier that day looks like what your father might have looked like had he still been alive. He's standing next to you at Woodman's Groceries in the checkout aisle. His smile, tucked behind a bushy gray and white mustache, is broad and warm. In his hand, he holds a dark brown leather wallet. His other hand, the thumb and index finger, pinch his debit card as he pays for your groceries. Your card had been declined twice. The line to your left, full of exhausted workers just like you, didn't grow angry or frustrated as you made a third attempt to swipe your card. In the last few years, as the pandemic took over, as the economy fell apart, as the politics of this country began to claim sides on every social issue, as the modern world ebbed closer into chaos, everyone around you, in the cities, in the pace buses, the train stations, the broken and fragmented streets outside, they all understood the struggle of existing in this country. And instead of anger, they simply sighed with a distracted sympathy coupled with discouraged destitution in their futures. The cashier Barbara stared at her phone as the little card reader angrily beeped at your lack of funds. She didn't bother with the niceties of letting you know why your card was declined. She knew it was a common problem for a lot of shoppers these days, and eventually people either took the items without paying or simply walked away empty-handed. Either way, Barbara could give a shit about the end result. You shook your head, 
your shoulders overwhelmed with disappointment and defeat, when the older man shuffled up behind you. You were staring down at the scuffed tile floor trying not to have a breakdown when you saw the leather tassels of his penny loafers come into view. It was odd that they were covered in oil and scuffed to hell, but when you looked up, he had already slid his card into the machine without the slightest hesitation. The little machine, delighted to have a function, beeped with a happy chime. You looked up at him, and for a moment, you saw your father staring back at you in the face of a kind stranger. The older man didn't say anything as he slid his card back into his wallet and disappeared into the crowd of disenfranchised workers. You pull the gun away from your head and turn to see the groceries left on the battered dinner table. Next to the four-pack of toilet paper, a golden-wrapped chocolate bar waits in the night. The same gold-packaged chocolate bar your father used to buy when you were a kid now sits on your table refracting the light of the street lamp outside your third-story window. It glimmers in the darkness, a single golden star in the void of your one-bedroom apartment. A sob ripples through your chest, an image of his burial. Green, well-manicured grass, blue sky, a righteous blue sky. A beautiful October day, breezes, an image of the house after his wake. Your mother sitting aimless at the table, the clock ticking for no fucking reason. It was just her and you after dad died. The two women of the house left to sort out the mess of their fractured and hateful relationships. You left six months after your dad's wake and that was that. David promised to move in with you and he did. The two of you managed to afford a meager living off service jobs and the occasional gig he landed every few months. The crime got worse. The shootings got worse. Then your upstairs neighbor was stabbed in his own apartment and died under the street lamp that shines through your window at this very moment. David swore he'd stick by you through it all, and he did. David promised to make the empty apartment you now stand in a home, and he did, until he had to leave. And then, he did. You confess to the walls, the ugly, damaged walls that you hate this place, and you begin to cry. You whisper you don't want to live like this anymore. You sob and break and scream. The gun slides out of your hand as you sprawl out on the wooden floor. The wooden slats creak beneath you as the floor exhales a musty breath into your open mouth. You shut your eyes and see the older man from today all over again. The same warm smile and kind eyes look at you through the depths of your numb evening. You open your eyes and see the slanted rumbus of light from the window that faces the lake. The light appears to ripple as passing cars outside send shadows darting through the shape. You stand up feeling humiliated in the presence of your apartment walls. The gun, pushed under the table, lays dormant with the safety still off. It doesn't matter. You wipe your eyes and look down at the little golden wrapper of the chocolate bar on the table. The bathroom mirror chipped and broken, illuminated by its single bulb vanity, still pulsing with Howard's stereo, appear to be anticipating your next move. 
The thought arrives without permission as you sit next to the open window and listen to the sound of traffic outside. The distant chirp of crickets stand alone in the face of so much modern convenience. Four hours of silent reflection has left you aching with the lake breeze seeping in through the night air. The truth, the unspoken and heartbroken truth, is that you miss your mother more than ever. Growing up, the two of you never really understood each other. Your father was a compassionate and stable piece of the family that bridged the gap between your mother's temper and your stubborn ways. In some ways, it felt like she blamed you for everything that had gone wrong in her life. In some ways, you almost believed her. Then, on a random Tuesday five years ago, your father was shot and killed during a robbery. Six months of silence was followed by five years of isolation as you became an island among the living. Today was when you realized the sheer hopelessness of it all. It wasn't a eureka moment, but a painless conclusion. Life doesn't matter. You hate to admit it, but you are a lost child in the world. All you want is your mother to bring you in from the pain. All you want is to apologize for all the pointless fights. You just want to feel safe again in your mother's arms. You check your phone to see it's 2.02 in the morning. You'd call her right now if it weren't so late. The worst part is you know, in the light of day, once you've showered and grabbed a nap, the bitterness will have returned but in this moment, this empty, humid, forlorn moment of time, you'd call her and tell her to come get you and save you from yourself. But she's asleep, somewhere in this massive city, and she'll wake in the morning and do whatever it is she does. You would cry if you could, but your body is too exhausted to try. Instead, you feel a sob shake your hand as you look down at the black screen. All you want is your mom. The breeze moves in as the vibration stifles your thought. The black screen lights up, and in three white letters, the word MOM appears as it rings. Melinda is going to kill herself was written and performed by Gabriel N. Elizondo. Music and effects provided by Epidemic Sound. For a complete list of featured songs in this episode and additional content, please visit www.gabrielnelizondo.com or click the link in the show notes. If you or anyone you know is in need of help, or is struggling with thoughts of self-harm or suicide, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for help. Whatever it is you're going through, you're not alone. Narratives with Gabriel N. Elisondo is a Crown & Coil production 
All written content and performances are exclusive properties of Crown & Coil Productions. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review. It really does help. And thank you for being a part of our story.